Let's quickly open our Bibles. We are going to declare the glory of the Lord again this morning in continuation of that worship. It's so crucial that we do that. We are going to take Colossians chapter 1 again, what I call the most important portion of the scriptures, in my opinion. Why? Because it talks about the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and it speaks of the Father. So we're going to read from verse 12 this time. And we'll read, of course, 12 is kind of the middle of a sentence, but let's just take it from there. And we'll read all the way to verse 20. Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, without thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, what are things on earth or things in heaven? Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. This morning we worship the Father again, amen. and we worship the Son. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now before we take our seats, let's quickly take our declaration of understanding as we usually do. Are we ready for that? Yes, now I want to let's go now I declare. Now the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Today is a great day for you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. Good morning, everybody. For some of us, we have been on the mountain for a few days. Sorry, we couldn't ask you to come. Don't worry, your own is coming. All right, the Lord is good. Okay, we are going to continue teaching the word in the, in the series that we have been on for some time, which is titled, A New Man and a New World. Now, the emphasis, or the main thing we've been trying to bring out is about the new creation that God made in Christ. The new creation that God made us to be in Christ Jesus. Jesus came as the beginning of a new race of humanity. This, ra- this new race of humanity is not divided the way the old race was divided. The old race was divided according to the sons of Adam. Of course, after it were according to the sons of Noah. All right? so, because all of them apart from the sons of Noah, perished. And then the sons of Noah 
were how many of them? Three. What are their names again? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That was the division of the sons of men. That's the old order. And that order you see still today, still there, the divisions of the sons of Noah, they are still there today. I don't um, have um, accurate, um, um, how do I say? I can't give you all the description, that is the divisions as they are today, but at least I know some of them, like the Jews are descendants of Shem, I know that, all right? They said people like Indians are called, they said, I don't know, they're descendants of Japheth, all right? Ham, mostly Africans and stuff. And now, please don't go and quote that outside. You'll fail your exam because I'm not so sure what I'm telling you. <laughs> I only know a few. That is, I know the, the Hem and Shem who can easily find out down through the lineage of Abraham and all of that, okay? So a lot of the Arab um, people around, those are all those countries. And of course, we're not getting to that. Some of those lands have been replaced by different kinds of people. So we don't even know for sure. Anyway, but anyway, that's the division of um, uh, mankind. Before now, and then at the point in time, God just took that in two dimensions, Jews and Gentiles. Now, all of those are under the first order, the order of Adam. But then there's a new order now, the second man. And that division is different. Okay? Now, as far as God is concerned now, there are just two. Which is what? Either you are in Christ or you are out. So, you see, Paul put them together in first. Corinthians chapter 11, he said, give no offense either to Jews, Gentiles, or the church of God. That's a whole new race. It's a whole new division. All right? Now, one thing I've been trying to say for some time is that you have to be careful, all right, to pursue the truth that we are teaching because there's something about spiritual realities. If you don't know about them and pursue them, focus on them, they don't do you good. You hear what I said? Assuming you are in prison, these are spiritual things are. If you are in jail, Jesus will just go out proclaiming, you are free, you are free, you are free. He's not going to drag you out of jail. I don't know whether you get the point. No, I don't think you heard me. He won't drag you out of prison. You just see him pass by and say, you are free. It's your duty to find the door, to open it, and walk away. Sometimes you get to the door, you try it, it appears locked. You may have to shove it a bit to throw it open, and then walk away. Sometimes, you may even see a padlock there that's not open. What Jesus is saying is, hold that padlock and pull it. If it doesn't give, look for the key somewhere around. If the key is not available, stand there and demand the key. And say to whoever the jailer is, open this door now, because I'm going. Why? You heard him say, I am free. Do you get my point? But what people do a lot of times is that we want to sit down there. So Jesus said, I'm free. No, they, no, they said, I'm free. Why am I still here? They said, I'm free. Sometimes they don't even know they are free. They just say, I'm, I'm born again, amen. Let me just lie down. This jail, there's nothing wrong with this jail. I mean, it's comfortable. And Jesus will not drag them out of there by force. He will just send another messenger. Go and tell that fellow he's free. Now, many people, instead of saying, oh, Lord, I thank you that I've been set free. I want to keep giving thanks to say, by saying, Lord, I thank you, I've been set free. God will start opening their eyes to see that really they are free and they'll find a door. But some will be questioning, if I've been set free, why am I here? The messenger said, well, I don't know why you are here. I was told to come and tell you that you are free. 
I said, that's what people just keep around, go, go around saying, you are free, you are free, you are free. If I'm free, can't you say I'm in prison? And even the messenger gets confused. He said, it must be an ancestral jail. <laughs> Sometimes the messengers also get confused. They say, it's an ancestral jail that you are in. So we are going to pray to break the walls. No. I just told the man, you are free. What am I doing here? Because you like to be here. Then the fellow who's been told he's free, you now you now get up and say, Where is the door? I'm going out. If it's locked, who locked this door? Do you know there's a kind of authority? Do you understand? You speak. People around we know, know something's going on. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, in fact, I remember when I first went to my wife's house for the first time, when I first met her then. So she described where their house was, so I came. After I started by quarreling with the gate man, I don't know what my problem is. This I'm going for the first time. That gate man was a very funny human being anyway. All right? I said I'm looking for some surprise. Is he a man or a woman? <laughs> anyway, there's just a small gist there. So I entered. She wasn't around. So they said, somebody said I should just sit down. Sat in one sitting room there. I was waiting. Then one young woman walked in. In my opinion, she looked rather young. So I said, ah, this, is, this woman didn't tell me that her auntie lived with them. Because she looked, I didn't believe it was her mother. She no, her mother looks very, very young. So, I, yeah, she was really young that time. If I tell you her age that I look back now, yeah, she was a really young woman. So, but I sat down. But the person stepped in. It was a voice. Who put this here? I think I told you people I don't want this on this side. Why is that door open? Do you, do you get my point? Every step, there's a command. There's, see, the sense of authority... I said, no, this is not her sister. It's not possible. You can't, I don't care how senior you are in the house. You can't talk like this. I said, maybe it must be an auntie that with so much power in this house. I was looking at her. Then she approached where I was. Hello. I said, good evening, ma'am. Or good afternoon, ma'am. Um, who's your friend in this house? Like, you're looking for somebody, right? I said, yes. So who's the person? Have you seen her? Uh, you know, but what I'm talking about is the fact that ah, the, the aura of command. A few minutes later, my wife now walked in and saw me, ah, greeted me, then turned to her mom. He said, oh, he said, oh this is my mom. I said, ah, you, know, you know, it had to be. Do you understand? You don't walk into a house and wield this kind of power. So, of course, now she would now made a joke of it, like, eh, ah, okay, no, trying to introduce me to her. I said, but we have met when you were, whatever you are coming from. That she and I just said for a few minutes and asked me a number of questions. Of course, when a man is coming to look for your adult girl, you know, that kind of thing, you have to ask questions. <laughs> so, I'd already done my interview before <laughs> she came. Now, what I'm talking about is, I, I, just, that thing just, I just remembered it now as we're talking. That's, you know, that command when she stepped in. You know, you you know she was in power. She was in charge. You didn't have to be told. Now that's what I'm talking about being free. You know, they say when you are told you are free. This is when you ask for the key to the gate. If I get to my house, I open the door. It doesn't want to open. You know, you twist it again. You know, if you are a visitor, if you try that door, no open. What do you do? You just uh, just stand there. You'll be knocking with timidity. <laughs> that's called timidity. You've been knocking with timidity. When I get to my house, the door must open. If it doesn't open, I pick the, maybe nobody, ah, is there nobody in this house? I pick my phone. If I whack that gate, nobody answers me. I start calling. 
Somebody must pick the phone. You know, when the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion, that's what it means. You can't lock me out of my own house, you know. There's this sense of ownership, entitlement, you know, authority, every, that just comes because of knowledge. And many times when people are not aware of things, timidity denies them of their inheritance. And number one cause of timidity is ignorance. And that's why preachers must arise and tell people and say to the cities of Zion, behold your God. I hope you're getting my point. What am I saying? That's why we're teaching like this. To tell believers that you are not a natural person. You are not a natural man. You are not a descendant of Adam. You were, but you are now a descendant of Christ. There's a new man. When you hear that Jesus was the last Adam, what it means is that if you are in Christ, the Adamic thing in you ended with Christ. That's the last Adam. And he's the second man. So you are a new man now in Christ Jesus. You have to know it. And now that's another thing we've been saying. And pursue the reality of it. It has to be, you know, it's pursued for you. It's, um, how do I say it? Whatever it will take to have that thing manifested, you pursue it. The example we give, please don't forget this one. It's a very simple example, but I think it's quite fundamental here. He said, how do people secure their financial future? How do they secure their destiny? People have different ways. Jesus said, the sons of this age, how do they do it? They negotiate, they manipulate. They cheat. The man takes, he said, look, you are no longer be manager, I'm sacking you. He said, I'm too old to dig. I can't go and start manual labor. And I'm too ashamed to beg. So what am I going to do? Let me make some money here. This is civil service. Let's inflate some contracts. Let's part the budget. Let's turn Naira inside bushes so that when the may fail, say he's changing the color, we'll be begging him to extend the date. <laughs> the sons of this age, that's how they are. They have to steal Naira and pack it. And you know the truth? You know, in the news, people will be talking all the time. Jesus is not surprised. You know, God is not even disappointed. He said, that's how they are. They are shrewd in their own affairs. They, they, today, they are in PDP. Tomorrow, they move to APC. And you ask them. But you were saying before that APC was a useless and demonic party. And the person will say, eh, that was I did not know. But since I came, we have cast out the demon to PDP. You know who I'm talking about. Those of you who read politics, you should know who that is. You know, most of these people are looking. You know, I've heard something about this life. When you say things like that, most of those I know, it will be men. And the women will be asking their husband, who's he talking about? <laughs> You're wondering, are we not in the same country? If anybody tells you that men and women are the same, the person is high on it. The kind of people that person is high on is a hybrid. Men and women are absolutely not the same thing. It's not about intelligence or not, just interest. It's been shown that if you put children, you know, people say that it's because of the way you train them, they've been shown that put children there, put toys there, different kinds of toys. The boy is good to carry the gun. I don't know who they want to shoot. <laughs> the boys are going to carry the toy guns. It's been shown, this has been done again and again. If they see cars, then mm, they're on it. You see caterpillar, they are digging up the rug in their father's sitting room. That's what they do. 
Would have been to the girls have found the dolls. They are rocking babies they've never had. I'm telling you. It's it, it, it just in the jeans. So anyway, the Lord is good. So let's just go back to our message. That's just a small like, um, distraction there. So Jesus was, he said, I'm not surprised. The man is in APC today, in PDP today, tomorrow is in PDP. That doesn't surprise me. He's a son of this age. He's a son of his age. Anything that's making money, they invest in it. The other day I saw an investment the Americans were doing. That was about two years ago. A company that had never produced anything, says manufacturing vehicles, had more market capitalization than Ford that sells two million vehicles a year. So I said, what is going on here? But the sons of this age pumped their money inside. That was two years ago. Then last week, I found out that the guy who owned the company was a criminal. And as of last year, the company was down to zero. And they found that the guy was all the fraud. He didn't make anything. The sons of this age. The guy just told lies, packaged it well, spoke excellently. They said, the trouble you said you made, is it not? let's see it now. He dragged a design up a hill. They rolled it down and filmed it and used it for commercials. And the stock price went through the roof. More valuable than Ford. Until some people leaked one or two Gs. And they investigated. Now he's, on, he's going to go on trial for some form of corporate fraud. The sons of this age packed their money inside there, hoping it will grow up, it will go up. Please don't forget what I'm saying. This is fundamental to this pursuit of the life that we have in Christ. What about the sons of the kingdom? Jesus said, no, that's not how they are supposed to secure their future. How do they secure it? He said three things. One, let's go by it together. One, full faithfulness in what? Little. Okay, there are two words there, all right? Righteous. Faithful and righteous in little. Number two, let's use both words today. Faithful and righteous in money. Number three, Faithful and righteous in that which belongs to somebody else. Now, that is how, you see, everything has a soil. Everything has a beautiful, it's appropriate climate to grow. Are you getting my point? You don't find apples in Enugu. The climate is not good. Are you getting my point? Now, what I'm going to emphasize is that each one has, what? The proper climate. There are appropriate conditions for the manifestation of each seed. So the seed of God, that's what I'm going to emphasize. If that seed is going to produce a financial future, secure future for somebody, that's the only way it can flourish. It's a faithfulness, righteousness in little. Faithfulness, righteousness in the use of money. Faithfulness, righteousness in that which belongs to another person. So this is what we are supposed to do. If you want that life that God has given us in Christ to flourish, pursue those things. When we are looking for investment that will grow, don't worry your head about it. When you need to invest, you will know. It will fall in line. You will not be swept with every wind of doctrine. People won't create bubbles and they used to soak your money. I told you personally, I've been paying for a long time. I've recovered now from the fact that Nigeria was number three market for cryptocurrency trading. And nine out of ten Nigerians who put their money in it lost it. It, you know, it used to pay me. There was a time that was the reason dollar was getting expensive. That was when the federal government banned banks from trading in cryptocurrencies because people were just speculating on what they did not understand. 
Then I say how to invest in America's mega million something something. Then people will take the money they don't have to be gambling on something that has less than a chance out of maybe a trillion that they will win it. And then when somebody finally wins it, which will not be you, you know, they'll give you encouragement to play it for the next 10 years. Let me just say this briefly. The seed of Christ in you does not believe in chance. If you keep on playing your life by chance, are you getting my point? You are killing the development of that new life. You have to create an ambience for it to grow. The ambience of growth is the ambience of faith. That is, listen, there are things you do. Have you heard this thing before? You know, somebody will say, little to lose, much to gain. They say, okay, <laughs> they'll send you a code. Send this to so and so and so and so. You win 50,000 naira. So there's not much. Of course, the code, you may know that it will cost you one naira or something. People now say, little to lose and what? Much to gain. And that's not even people don't understand things. Like those days, somebody sent, before people knew about these um, emails, scams, and all of that, those early days of emails. My chief got an email saying that she had won about. Uh, is it fifty thousand dollars? It was new. It was new. Very very new those days. So she came to work and said, "Ah, I got a mail that I won fifty thousand dollars in a particular something. Let's assume it's lottery." So I said, "Excuse me, ma. Did you play the lottery?" He said, "No." I said, "How can you win something you did not play?" So they wrote that she was randomly selected from something something. I said. Somebody randomly selected to give you money. Does it make sense? Now, this is where I'm going. To claim the money, they need to come up with maybe like $20 or so. Or $50. Now, look at it. You pay, you pay, pay how much? $50. And then you are likely to collect how much? $50,000. Little to... If, okay, if it's fake, what do you lose? $50. If it's genuine, what do you gain? $50,000. That's how the human mind works. Now, the human mind has deceived itself that the game is 50-50. There's a 50% chance it is genuine. There's a 50% chance it is fake. So when you do that calculation, $50,000, of course, is much better than... I mean, it's worth risking $50 for. There's only one problem. The chance is not 50-50. It's 1 to 200 trillion. <laughs> yes, you didn't play a game. How will you win it? Now, this is where I'm going. So it was early. So I was trying to persuade this Malga. That you didn't play. Now he said, eh, little to lose, much to gain. That's where I'm going. So finally, she decided to split the risk with somebody else. Someone now offered to pay part of the money they will pay. And that when the winnings come, they will also share it. I was looking at these people like this. These like, people are very funny. It was those early days. But now we are wiser. I hope you're getting my point. Uh-huh. So that's why I just emphasize the fact that those things were those early days. But this is where I'm going. Now, so sometimes we play those games with life. Like there are those who play the lottery. And you know, playing the lottery, again, I'm not, you know when I preach, I do a lot of digressions. I teach things along the line. People tell you that, um, is it a sin? There's, no, there's nothing in scripture that says, thou shalt not play the lottery. And you know, pl- playing... Um, Betting and lottery are two different things. I hope you know that. Oh, they are not even the same category at all. They are not in the same category. The reason be that if you play the lottery, no matter how addicted you get to playing the lottery, you don't lose money. 
Because lotteries by nature, they take very little from you. And you can't jump from one lottery to the other. Betting is different. Betting, you, you put up the stake by yourself. Betting is very addictive. It ruins people. Playing lottery doesn't ruin anybody. Because by nature, you just can't play it enough. To, and then if you play, maybe you put one lottery, buy one lottery ticket. You hear the results in three months. So that thing is not there. Betting is on the spot. Within a few hours, it's out. And then they ch- you, you think you will win. Lottery, you know you are not likely to win. The chances are so slim. Maybe one in like 200 million, depending on the kind of lottery you are playing. But betting is like one in 10, one in five. So it looks so near, so doable. So it kills you. It ruins your destiny. You know, destroys your family. That's what it does. That, betting is like that. And then, there's one thing about betting. Each time you lose, you want to get it back. But lottery, you don't have that feeling. If you lose the lottery, you expected to lose it. Betting, you expected to win. In lottery, you have this thing that maybe one day, but in betting, each one, there's hope. You can rent, you can borrow money, hoping to play back, pay back with uh, <laughs> with betting. But let's make lots of I want to make some things clear. Betting is evil. It's satanic. It's designed to make sure that you don't do well in life. When you start betting, you're like Dangote. When you finish betting, you're a beggar. Betting will finish you. Some of you are looking at me like, Oga, why are you telling my story openly? It's deliverance. <laughs> Do you understand? Please, there's no small betting. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. I'll go back to my lottery gist, but let's finish this betting thing. This world is now so satanically influenced, more than ever before. They've now put betting on, on phones. Before to bet, you had to travel. Not really travel, but you have to walk to a shop, collect the betting thing. Pool, they call it pools betting those days. But now, all those shops have closed. Why? Everybody now has smartphones and their apps. And there are all kinds of companies. Now, all of these companies are controlled by Satan. All of them. It's my opinion. I can share it. You can disagree with me. And any Christian who has a betting app on his or her phone right now, catch fire. <laughs> you have, from the time you are hearing me say this, normally I say, please, don't. Okay, from the time this meeting will end, so you won't distract yourself, you have exactly five minutes to uninstall that app. I place the judgment of God on your motherboard if you don't, in Jesus' name. Amen. May that motherboard fry. Irreparable. If you don't remove that betting app. It's evil. Very evil. And all those companies that are doing betting, betting, I've prayed for them. That their faith will fail. And when they have been destroyed, they will destroy their brethren too. You know, I turned the prayer of Jesus for Peter upside down. They didn't notice that. These are evil things that should not prosper amongst our youth. You give people false hope. Please, brethren, don't try. Don't go near it. Don't even bother. See, I could, be, I could stand here and be arguing with you, or sorry, giving you facts and figures that you're not likely to prosper from it. But that's not even necessary. Let's just go down to it. Matter of righteousness. It is evil. Don't participate in it. The Lord is angry with you for doing it. And then money you bet, he'll make you pay it back tenfold. This is money. You know, some people, they will send them on error and they go and use money to bet. 
There are children that use their school fees, and that one happens every day. You know now. You have people, you know, some people come begging for money sometimes. I don't think you should just give anyhow. I think you should interrogate them. Get DSS on their matter. CIA. Sit down. How come you don't have money to pay your school fees? You see, in our family, give me your father's phone number. Why do you want to talk to my father? Because you know, I know your father gave you the money. Why are you not talking to me that they help me? And many of those people, if you actually call your father, their father, what? John said he has not paid school fees. How can? But he showed me receipt last week. <laughs> one young man, this one long ago, his own was even good, but he was still wrong. He came to me, for, asked me for advice, counsel. As he was speaking, he had not paid his school fees and all of that. He, wasn't, he didn't come ask me for money. He didn't. Just telling me things. So as he was speaking, I was looking at him. You have not paid your school fees. He said no. I said, did you use the money for evangelism? He couldn't answer me. I said, answer me, my friend. Where is the money? And actually, they went to do a program. They didn't have enough money to hire speakers. At... I said, what? Is it... <laughs> this guy uses school fees to do ministerial conference. I looked at him, what? And that, um, you know, I said, do you know you should go to jail? He was shocked. He thought because a preacher I said, man, zeal, the law will bless you. The law will increase you. I said, oh boy, do you know you are a financial criminal? He looked at me. I said, if you are working for federal government, you should be on trial. He said, what? I said, you just misappropriated funds. Funds allocated for your bosser. It's going to hire equipment. I said, oh, look, what will I now do, sir? I said, you go home. You go and lie down in front of your father. And tell him the whole truth. I said, Daddy, you gave me school fees. Yes. I'm so sorry. I smoked some spiritual thing. Zeal was consuming me. Forgive me, I have sinned. I said, your father will forgive you, but don't do it again. You, you think it's righteousness? I said, it is not righteousness. It's not your money. You were sent on errand. Your father gave you the money to give to your school authorities so that your life can move. Then you took it, you went to village to go and do crusade. Why do I tell this? You know, some people don't know it's wrong. If it's for God, anything is possible. Now, I'm stuck there. I will stay there for a moment. Then they pay you salaries. Say, well, our church is building. But the school fees of your children is due that same week. So the things of God are more important. These children are going to school. Is it the, the things of the devil? Are you mad? What is wrong with people? Paying their school fees is of God. And there are things in life that is only your own responsibility. Nobody else is own. You do that one first. As for the church, we want to roof. We are 200. I can't collect all the money. That belongs to the thing that I'm the only one that's supposed to do. To do one that we are 200 doing. I know pastors preach it differently for you, but me, I preach my own like this. I think we share the money. You know what I'm saying? It's called sharing. Roof. And then you must know what is crucial. If there's no roof, we'll stay on that tarpaulin. Until money comes. It's not as if a pastor's, pastor needs heart transplant. That's a different matter. I hope you're getting my point. 
No, you have to learn to prioritize. No, if it's like, think about it. If one of your children is so sick and you need that money, the rest will stay at home. You, are you getting my point? Yes, yeah, common sense. So just prioritize things. But you know, is this idolatry thing in our mind? He said, I want you to regard. Brethren, get sense for your head. You shed the thing well. Oh boy, you go go school. This is your own. He said, but you need money for two months to eat. Take one month money first. I will see you later. Why? This other one, let's contribute our portion to the roofing thing. Do you get my point? Yes, and sometimes you have to tell people this more small wisdom because they feel this kind of guilt that uh, the work of God is lying fallow. My children are going to school. I understand that if you go and send your children to school that you have to take your whole two years salary to pay for one semester. You have another spiritual problem which I will deal with later. That's a different matter, all right? But let, God, let me sit on my message. I was, you know, you have to be helping people with all kinds of things. Oh, we say, oh, God, they said. I talk about that young man that misappropriated funds, you know. Uh-huh. I told the guy, no, they don't do that. That's not the, if you want to preach, go there. There's no money for speaker. There's no money for speaker. Is speaker compulsory? Is there money for your mouth? Do you get my, I mean, do you have to hire mouth? Is your mouth not working? Stand on the, this platform. Say, oh, sorry, people, we are not going to use microphone today because there is no money to hire equipment. That's how you handle it. No, that's just an aside. That's an aside. Let's go back to the betting thing, all right? So some people, you send them on errand. They'll go and use the money to bet, hoping to win. And then the other one that actually makes me laugh, they actually pray over the bet. <laughs> do you know Christians do that? They will pray over the bed and promise God how much he will get. <laughs> Expecting the Lord to cooperate. So they go buy something on credit. The money they give them to do things, they will go and use the bed. They will lay hands on the ticket. Lay hands on the phone. Lay hands before they click the figures they want to bet by. Toyota, Honda, Honda, Mitsubishi to Toyota, Yuzuzi Sadaki. They are speaking in tongues on iniquity. Thereby reporting themselves to God. It's like you want to go and meet a woman that's not your wife and you're a married man. You are praying, God, let her be at home. Are you mad? <laughs> As I'm going, no evil will befall me. When evil has already been falling you. You know, Christians don't know that some things are bad. You are praying for God to God to help you win a bet. Like David Paulson said, this is risk that did not exist until you created it. David Paulson tried to explain the difference between betting and insurance. That insurance, the risk existed before. The risk doesn't depend on you. It's a natural risk. Then insurance, government and business has planned some things. They plan some things to help you mitigate the risk. And say, okay, pay insurance money. So that if something bad happens. So that's different from betting. Betting, there was no risk. You were at peace until you picked up that tab. Opened that app and decided that you did not know that. Somebody beat Brazil yesterday. I found out this morning. Cameroon beat Brazil and got a yellow card for removing a shirt. Okay. I found out today. 
<laughs> we're here preaching, so I didn't know. I just said, hey, you go and bet that Brazil will beat Cameroon. God said, for, for your sake, Cameroon will beat Brazil. <laughs> The, the reporter said, that risk did not exist until you created it. There's no, there's no reason why God should help you with it. He will not help you with it. Please stop that nonsense. Please look at your neighbor. Say, stop that if you are doing it. Even if it's a woman, these, these days, women, they, they, they bed for inside toilet. Too. You know, this generation, you know, there are things that, there are sins of men. Women are not doing them. Remember your friend, Apostle? That says she hides to smoke evil. I thought, you know, I thought people like, I'm telling you. No, if, if Dami comes and tells me he hides to smoke evil, you know I will understand that. Don't do it again. But when it's Deborah that now tells me that, I bring a belt. <laughs> I flock her very well. That's some iniquities meant for men. <laughs> do you get my point? Please. Don't even, if you want to do your, let me tell you, female iniquity, gossip, backbiting, Instagramming, binging on Instagram, watching Z World. Those are the iniquities of women. Betting is, leave it for the men. Let's deliver the men. Don't make this work more difficult. You pray to deliver men, you still have to now be praying to deliver women from betting. Let them bet on your behalf. Call that brother and say, you don't bet for me. That's better. Then we'll, de- we'll deliver him. When I say what women do these days, I told you one day, one of my guys said, ah, he just came back from abroad, big, a very senior man, not my mate at all, almost double my age. So he came back, I called me, ah, come, 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 come. So all of us followed him. So he took us to sports club, gathered everyone for the department. Me, another guy, who got there, and some women in the department, they all, all of us entered different kinds of got there. So he said, all that food, all that, you know, so, hey, they should take, should order drinks. <laughs> they came to me, what would you like to drink? I said, I would like a Coke. My other guy, what would you like to drink? He said, he would drink a malt. To my shock, they asked me, what would you drink? I was saying, stout, gouda. <laughs> this, shock on my face. I was looking at them like, this small, small women in the department, they offered you people drink. We were only three men there. The man himself, the senior man, and we, the, I mean, we're pathologists, okay, both of us, who, who he dragged, we're junior colleagues, he dragged us, come, 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 he just came back, we're celebrating for everybody. I know the women there to, to go. All of them, minus none. Go down spark. I said, eh? <laughs> I'm sure. And you know me, I think stout is poison. Yeah, yeah. I've tasted it two or three times in my life, and I don't understand till tomorrow why anybody does not, they don't, you don't have a gun to your head, and you drink it. I mean, I think it never should be the one forcing people to drink stout. I don't think no more people. It's just me. These women were asking for stout. I mean, I'm telling you. Literally, you hear, see a woman say that you bring gouda. I think going to church has worried me for a long time. I don't know what's going on outside. I think, I think that's my problem. Please, women, I'm begging you. Let's share this iniquity, okay? Do your own iniquity. Just gossip, you know, buy gold and pay for two years. Those are your sins. Just drinking of ogogoro. 
It's for Okemuti and Co. It's not your own. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. So please, that, you know, it's the betting matter I'm saying. So please, no child of God would ever place another bet in Jesus' name. Amen. You will never do it again in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you do it, your phone will die in Jesus' name. Amen. May you never win so you'll not be encouraged. Amen. One young man won and went to church. I think her mother went and testified. Was it her mother? Yes, his mother, sorry. His mother went and testified in church. My son played betting something, betdevil.com, and uh, he played with 300 naira. Abby? Yes, I won how much? Two million. And the whole church went gaga, testimony time. Woo! And the pastor of testimony said, that will be your testimony in Jesus' name. And the whole church said, Amen. You know what made me laugh? No, no, not cry, not laugh, cry. You know what made me cry? One of many things. One was that that betting company made his money back before the end of that day. From that congregation. No, think about it. That win, that young man got, they made the money back that day. From that congregation alone. By releasing that betting spirit through that testimony. After church. Ma, please, which company did you use? That's how they ask. Everybody will be playing. You know the way it is. 200 naira, 500 naira, 200 naira. By the time they finish, the 2 million has been paid back so many times. Of course, all the people that play will win nothing, you know. And if I were the betting company, I would locate another member of that church. Just send your detectives around. Which other, which other one they go? Did they do testimony for that church? There's no problem. Just find a way. Anytime he bets, he must win something. And he must win big. I won't just bet 500 and I just give him 3 million. You go and mean, please, I have testimony too. This time they testify, your company will be growing like. God will destroy all of you later, but at least for now. Please. I don't know why I'm stuck on that. I think I'm delivering people this morning. Because I've not even gotten to my message. You know, I have a new rule. You will pay anything you hear free of charge like this, you must pay. You pay by being patient to let me finish what I'm supposed to preach for the day. The Lord is good. Let us not get back to the thing I was saying. I was trying to say something earlier. There are lotteries. So generally, lottery is not as bad as that, but let's get to, I want to get a, bring out the point. When people ask you sometimes, is this sin or is it not sin? They want to know, did God say don't do this, or did God say do this? There are so many things God did not say. But there is nothing he did not address. Do you get my point? There are many commandments, don't do this or do that, that he didn't bother giving. But there's no situation in life that he has not given us precepts and principles to walk by. There's none. He just help you understand some things, which is why I went to all of that. I want to bring out an issue here that in what you are doing, you ask yourself, what kind of climate am I generating for my life? Am I creating a climate in which homo sapiens adamus will be growing stronger or I'm producing a climate in which Homo sapiens Christus, which I've discussed before, the life of Christ, the new man in Christ that I am, will flourish. If you surround your life with chance, 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 
Everything you want to do is a game of chance to bring forth your prosperity. The life of Christ will die down, become dormant, and the life of Adam will grow. So you now start struggling like Adam. And Adam has a curse on his head. And what is that curse? On the sweat of your brow, brow, you eat bread. And the other day we were discussing it here. He said, I will multiply your what? Yes, I will multiply your conception. That the way you say in pain you will bring forth. What did he say? I will multiply. That is, what he was trying to say is that you will keep on trying and trying and trying. Coming up with all kinds of ideas for business. One idea, it will fail. Another idea, it will fail. So that, if you read the scriptures well, eh? the curse he placed on Adam and the curse he placed on Eve were exactly the same. It's just that the curse applied according to somebody's primary responsibility. Do you understand my point? The man's primary responsibility that time was to bring forth productivity and bring food and all of that to the house. The woman's primary responsibility was to multiply the generations of people. Do you understand? So he said, look, for the man it will be hard. For the woman it will be hard. Both of them were dealing with hardship. Do you get the principle here? What he said is that I will greatly multiply your pain and your... That's, I'm giving the literal Hebrew. So, the woman will now be playing a game of chance. The man will be also be playing a game of chance. That is, I will do ten things. I don't know which one will work. So if you surround your life, let me give you an example now. You want to change, choose a profession. You keep on checking every day, which one makes money, which one makes money, which one makes money. And you are trying gambling on everything. After that, your whole life will be a gamble. You know, you know I've seen, you know, like I said, if you've been going to church for a long time, you don't know the kind of things that people do. You know, there are men, I found out, they are having relationships with three or four women at the same time because they want to marry. So they are trying to choose the best of the four. They, they chase one woman in Okunan, one in phase six, one in GRE, one in MNA. And they are very serious about the relationships. And you know what they are trying to do? Which one? So after some time, say this one is different. It's very rude. Not a big great. They will find a way to end the friendship. And they'll be doing that like until finally it will remain one. One man I met years ago, that's why I first learned it. He had narrowed them down to two. So he was waiting to quarrel with one. I'm not joking. I'm sitting in his face now. He was waiting to quarrel with one. You want to hear the truth? If you do that, the rest of your life. You see, God is alive. You see, when you marry that one finish, hmm? there's no problem. You marry the best of the four. You will not tie it to. You will have four business partners. Three of them will defraud you. You will not know why. Then you will have five children. Four of them will not be trustworthy. You won't know why. Your own brother will steal your money. Are you getting my point? Why? You generated an ambience. And listen, as a Christian, be careful. 
you generated an ambience around yourself in which your whole life becomes a game of chance. That's what I'm talking about, that lottery thing. So, the gods, they don't do lottery. No. They didn't say that. I've already established that it's even different. It's even much milder than betting. But what happens when you make your life a lottery life? Eh? What happens when you make your life a lottery life? Is that you make, that is when you start playing lottery. You make your life a lottery life. You always be gambling about everything. You're waiting for chance to happen to you. And if you know the proportion of people that win lottery, 99.99999% never win it in their whole lifetime. So most of the things you want in life will not happen in your lifetime. Why? Especially when, like I'm talking to believers. Especially when you, have, you just decided that, listen, I am going to make my life a game of chance. Where did God say, he don't, he don't play lottery? He didn't say so, but go and play it. Everything has repercussions. So sometimes in life, eh, you just refuse to do some things. Why? You just want to say, I am not a mogul. I don't know whether you get my point. Like when people do this, um, when people do this uh, little to lose, much to gain thing. Eh? One reason why I don't do it. I know there's little to lose, there's much to gain. I just tell myself, I'm not a fool. Don't successfully make a fool of me. I hope you're getting my point. I won't let you make a fool of me. He said, what if... Now, that, that will amaze you. I would rather lose that $50,000. That's how I reason. It's a little to lose much to gain. I said, let me lose, let, let, let me lose the much. Rather than go around life thinking that I'm easy to, you know, I'm so gullible. You know, I, don't, I never feel bad. If you say, I didn't know, they, they told you that time. Yes, so I, made my cha- I made my decision based on reason. When people started buying uh, some of these cryptos, let, because let me not mention specific names. When they buy some of them, they go for like $1,000, $2,000. Mm. Of course, you know, I, I'm not a, that's not my thing. Things like that. Then they went up to $20,000 within about a year. People were writing articles on, oh, if only you had kidding. If people had kidding, those who kidding now, there was a time crypto was only $500. Now it's not $17,000. We're looking at all of them. What people don't know is that once you have that betting attitude, all the millions you made from this, you will lose from something else just down the line. That attitude is toxic. The fact that it wins once in a while doesn't matter. It's a toxic attitude. Insist on gathering by labor. Insist on going the proper way. Look at this crypto thing as an example. The best minds in finances who are very honest and objective, they've said it, it will not come to a good end. The end will not be good. They are saying this without having any regrets, even though they supposedly lost out. Take a man like Warren Buffett. He could easily have tossed $100 million into experimenting with it and put out a few tens of billions afterwards. But it's not his investment um, strategy. His own investment strategy is this. I will check the inherent value. And it's in scripture. He said, Pastor, where's in scripture? I'll show you. <laughs> he said, a man found a pearl of great price. In a plot of land. Then what did he do? He went and sold all he had and came and bought that land. 
He found hidden treasure, sorry. Then one found the pearl of great price, sold all they had, and bought the pearl. Now, this is where I'm going. Did you notice what both of them did? They first assessed the real value and found out that the person who owned it didn't appreciate the value. So they said, there's no problem. We will give you what you want. The fellow said, look, I, I, I want 50,000, maybe let's use Naira. I want 50 million Naira for this. And the guy is looking at this thing, 50 million. You don't know the price. He price how much? 50 million. This is your land, 50 million. So okay, no problem. The guy looked, check his account, only 500,000 Naira a day. Sold his car. Was able to raise another 2.5 million. Has 3 million. He went to the bank, borrowed money. Begged his friends, did everything. Went to their village land that they apportioned him. Sold everything. Finally managed to get 50 million and 10,000 naira. He gave the other fellow. Why did he do that? He knew what? The inherent value. So Warren Buffett's investment strategy is this. He said in the, in the open market, that's the shares, where we buy shares and trade stock. The total value of the company is $10 million. So that's what you think. That's what people think. What is the inherent value? He will do his research. He will say, let me tell you the truth. This company, the inherent value is not 10 million. It's 25. It's 30. If you tweak it a bit, this company, inherent value in production, in sales, will be worth about 100 million or 200. So what's that he said in the market? Say $10 million. He will buy every available stock. People won't know why he's buying it. Really, you can't see what he's saying. And you know what he says? He never plans to sell. That if he ever sells, something went wrong. He said, I'm not planning to sell it. Why? He said, I'm not a stock trader. I hold companies for their value. He will go rearrange some things and let it come. He said, no, no, that's the, to him. This is what I want. But most people just trade, trade. Will the price go up or go down? He said, that, he said the price of his companies go down for him. He said it's to his advantage. Because if he had only 40% and he knows it has value, the price in the market drops, he'll buy it, becomes 70% older because he believes he has. Do you understand my point? Yeah. He said, I'm not planning to sell. So the price that's going there doesn't, doesn't worry me. It's, it's biblical. Now, why am I saying all of this? People rather make their life a game of chance. He said, don't do that. Let's get back to our own scripture. You understand? I'm trying to understand how God said we should live. If you say, ah, I could have invested in that time when this crypto thing was going, I didn't invest now. Once you start having that thought, that is what happens. Next time, another one will come up. You will rush in with your money. What you don't know is that 99 out of 100 of sources that come out, they go down to zero. They don't make the news. You know why they don't make the news? Simply because most people, number one, there were not many who went in early. When it went down to zero, nobody really talked much about it. They forgot about it. But the one that blows, boom, makes the news. You think it's a normal thing. So when I say, go early, just get in early, hold your position on things you don't know about. You yourself, you're a thief. Seriously. Onyoshi. What am I going to say here? When you, want to, when you make your life a game of chance, you start doing things so that chance will benefit you. What you don't realize is that you are nurturing the spirit of Adam and killing the spirit of the new man. So the first man continues to flourish in your life. 
But what did God say? God said, pursue, that's, that's what I want to, in fact, this was just, just a kind of, um, it was supposed to be a kind of recapitulation, okay? But I'm kind of stuck on it because of all the gist of these betting people that we are trying to help. I hope you know betting and smoking in their hand are the same thing. Which one is worse? Let's vote. Which one is worse? Some say, no, I think, which one is worse? Okay, I, I think I like the fact that we are, we, are, we are undecided. It shows you how bad it is. <laughs> For you to be trying to decide whether smoking, <laughs> and we don't know which one. You know. And we're not talking about cigarette. We're talking about Igbo in their help. So you should know the kind of thing you are in. I mean, well, you'll be feeling very righteous all this while. Pastor, I don't know why men smoke. I mean, well, you are doing as bad. So I thank God you are telling the woman you want to marry. I mean, so women are marrying men that smoke in their hand. What do they expect in their life? Who are you are betting? At least you have been delivered today. Amen. Have you noticed that we do this deliverance once in a while? Because some people backslide and some new people come to hear the truth. In Jesus' name, you shall not bet again. Amen. So let me stick. You, know, you are the one that took a lot of my time. That's what I'm just trying to say. So let's stick with this. So if you want the spirit of Christ in you to flourish, you nurture it. And the way you nurture it is not the easy way people think. It's making hard decisions. Do you get my point? Yeah, it's making hard decisions. Just like I said, normal inclination, you go there, they say, oh, please, do you want a lottery ticket? It's only, it's only five, um, five, 500 naira. And you could, you could actually win 200, 200 billion. When they say it like that, and you turn around and say, no, and you give a beggar there 500 naira. Wouldn't you like to t- ticket? No. What she doesn't realize is it's not 200 billion you don't want to get. You are trying to say that don't make me nurture the spirit of Adam. So I refuse. That's what I'm, I'm just refusing to allow that spirit grow. I'm killing it. Pop calls it through the spirit. We are mortifying the deeds of the flesh. That by the spirit we are doing what? We are putting to death the deeds of the flesh. It's deliberate. It's deliberate. Somebody offends you, and you say, look, I won't, ever, I, I won't talk to that fellow again. Maybe he offended you, you don't want to talk to him, whatever. They need help. Uh-huh. Join. No, I need my help. I won't help him. That's, that's what the flesh does, right? That's what the flesh does. But we now, by the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the flesh. You go out of your way. Maybe normally you won't help people like that. That is, even if they didn't quarrel, you didn't quarrel with them. But this one, this time around, you go out of your way and offer assistance to somebody. He said, "Oh, you are so kind." He said, "No, I'm not kind. Let's get it straight. I am not kind. The Spirit of God in me is the one doing this, not me. Don't you? <laughs> you know that kind of thing." I'm, I'm making a joke of that, all right? But you get my point. I'm not doing it because I want to do it. But I'm by the Spirit, by following that new life in Christ, I'm putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Do, do you get me? That's it, that's it. We have to be careful, please. I, you know, I, I preached this before, that's a few meetings ago. I just want to emphasize it again. The problem is that we don't pursue it enough. That's why I give that illustration again of how do you secure financial destiny. The world, they will keep on telling you, you know, they would give you 10 different methods. And it's like, better to be safe than sorry. 
but they don't realize that you're already sorry when you are making that statement. You can't be safe again. I'll give you another example. Was he talking money? Jesus said, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Sufficient unto the day is what? The evil thereof. He said, tomorrow will take care of itself. He said, don't lay up treasure on the earth. Where thieves break in and steal. Where moth destroys. What does it mean by thieves breaking in and stealing? It means a thief breaks the door and collects the money. That's what it means. What does it mean by moth destroys? It means inflation will reduce the value. That's what it means in modern terms. But this is one I've kept for tomorrow. My children will soon start going to school. Now, the natural order is let me pursue security based on the cash that I have. But the person who wants to build the spirit of Christ says, he gives seed to the sower and bread for food. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. How do I not show? Because the, the promises of God are tied. Now, again, an aside. Every promise that God made is given to Christ. That's what we call Christ. Now, as you move into Christ, those promises are activated in your life. So anytime you see a promise, it's not your own. It belongs to whom? Christ. It's as you are in Christ, as you abide in him, that those promises become active in your life. And Jesus said, this is how we relate, me and you. You abide in me. Then I abide in you, how? By my words abiding in you. So, this is how it works. If my words abide in you, then you are abiding in me. That's how it works. Do you get my point? It's like in my relationship. Once I marry you, it means you have married me. So, if I abide in Christ, he's abiding in me. That's how the relationship is. So, I don't have to kill Christ. Christ, abide in me. Jesus said, don't, don't insult me like that. Just do what I told you to do. Let my words abide in you. So once my words abide in you, and that word is producing obedience, because obedience is automatic if the word abides in you. If you are disobeying, the word is not in you. You don't try to obey the word. The word obeys for you. So whether you are obeying the word or not, is a reflection of whether you are abiding in him or you are not abiding in him. So once you are abiding in him, you will find yourself obeying the word of God. Are you, you are getting my point? So, those promises actually belong to Christ. So, how do I activate security for my future? Therefore, I was talking about that. I say, okay, this spirit of Christ in me thrives in an environment where this fellow is not careful. That is, he's not worried about tomorrow. In an environment where I am not laying up treasure on the earth. I'm obeying the word of Christ. So, anytime he brings money to me, I do what I have to do, even if it appears like I'm putting my future in jeopardy. Ah, he said, Pastor Bang, God gave you this amount of money. What have you invested in so that the money will not finish? Once you think like that, you have withdrawn the spirit of Christ out of it. What should be your thought process? This money is plenty. What are we supposed to do with it? If he says, because you must understand, it didn't say be spendthrift and waste it. Waste it. If it's okay, I have given you this money because that dream you always had of providing this kind of service. Now you can go. Because there are times I tell the Lord, <laughs> it'll make you laugh. I say, Lord, if you give me, 
a hundred million naira. Let's be honest, he didn't do anything for me. If if the God dashes me a hundred million, you won't know. You will not know. I won't change my car. Trust me. I won't go and build a house. I have a rule. Money must not send me on an errand. Money shouldn't wake me up in the morning. Bank, are you awake? Yes. Now, go down the road, go and price land. Because I have money. Money shall not have dominion over me. So if you bring plenty of money that I don't have plan for, it will just stay there where you brought it. And as needs come, it will meet it. So I told the Lord, the thing I really want to do with money now, do you understand? It can't be done with a hundred million naira. You won't start making, you won't turn me to a land speculator just because you gave me money. Like, like I'm not doing. So if you buy land here, yeah, the price will go up. Listen, headache also goes up. People think it's only price that goes up. I don't understand for human beings. Please don't let money send you into an area for which you don't have grace. Don't, listen, don't let money send you into an area for which you don't have grace. Men, do you know, a lot of rich people have started ministry. I just look at them and say, who sent you? If you are well to do, be careful before you start hearing a call to ministry. I'm not saying you can never be called. What did I say? What did I say? Be careful. What did I say? Be careful. Because money calls people. Some people have started organizations because of money, for which they have no grace. They've started, some, some of them is charity. You know, one man, now he's not a believer, eh? but I can understand. He, well, so I don't know whether he's a believer or not. I withdraw that. I'm not, I don't know whether he's a believer or not. It's Warren Buffett. I'll just give you an example now. He makes some decisions. Like, God give this man wisdom. He said he and his wife made up their minds that all the money they have, they must give out before they die. All of it. One of them, I don't know whether it's him or Bill Gates, said it's a disadvantage to leave all this amount of money for, a, for your offspring. They understand that handling this wealth is hard. Some of them settle their children. Hey, you, come. Here's your portion, $200 million. The inheritance, that's it. Done. That this man has $30 billion. He said, look, this is what you need. They buy you a house, buy you this, they educate you well. If you want to work for them, work for them, fine. What is that going to take? By the time you are 40, maybe he gives you $200 million. He's not giving you money again. $200 million. It's a lot of money. I hope you know. I give you $1 million. You will speak in other tongues. The one you are not speaking before. <laughs> so I'm not saying it's not small money, but... They said, look, let, I don't want to give my children this disadvantage. They know that it's a headache. So Warren Buffett said, when his wife died, he realized that the time has now come for him to start doing the things that he planned to do. He now said something. He said, giving out money is hard. He says, hard work. He says, it's as difficult as making it. Now, I want to put Christian words with things he said. I don't have that grace. So he discovered that Bill Gates had been working on charity for years. Bill Gates started a Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation then, and they were giving out money all over the world, generally to eradication of diseases. The heaviest money that was ever given to research into malaria at the time was given by Bill Gates, $100 million. So Bill Gates had been doing it and doing it and doing it. Warren Buffett said, well, this guy knows how to do you get it? He said he knows how to. Do you know what he did? At that time, he was worth 30-something billion dollars. Before the stock went up far, uh, high, uh, much higher. And they just cut 
85% of the money and transferred to Bill Gates Foundation. They said, why? He said he knows how to give it out. I don't know how they do it. Sometimes I tell rich people, why are you starting ministry? No, I'm not here to beg for money. God forbid that I should. You can't preach. Stop lying. Why is it to deceive us? Which kind of preach you won't preach? Even if you preach, we won't believe you. <laughs> you. You get where I'm going? You don't have to make any... Those of us who were at that um, minister's conference yesterday, there was something Pastor Luigi said. One man sitting right here asked, you work in a ministry. How do you do your private ministry while you are part of this big ministry? A big mission, denomination, all right? He's a pastor in Foursquare. So by the time he finished explaining and explaining and explaining, I said there's something, you know, I now spoke afterwards because I was the one moderating the question and answer session. I said there's something many people did not notice that he's not looking for a name for himself. So the, the man, he, I think in trying to answer the question, he ended up not answering it. I don't know whether you noticed. That is, he just told his story. He was trying to say that I am not able to separate between that denomination and my personal ministry. So he explained that when we build the church where we are right now, the denomination, they don't know how I got the money. This was how I got the money, and I used the money, of course. He said, I could have eaten the money. Do you remember him saying that? Those of us here. He said, I could have eaten the money, that the person who gave us the money to buy that land sent it to my personal account. Why? He said, ah, ahead of the work you are doing, you need a property of your own. And the person sent him money, and he bought four plots of land. This is the same man. He has done it before. After some years, he, you, can, you may hear he's no longer there. He has gone somewhere else. So when he explained and explained, I said, look, did you guys notice what he said? He is not trying to make a name for himself. That's why it was so easy for him to do it. So you go to a place, start, he said, he has never pastored a church he did not start. Did you hear him say it? He said he has never been transferred to a church that's existing. That's why I called him my apostle. He said, I've never pastored a church I did not start. I'm not talking about start churches. I don't mean Portacoto. I didn't say no go. Not Lagos. Remember where he used to start churches? Sokoto. Then leaves, goes into rural areas. What are these start churches? Kogi. That's where he's working currently. He said, oh, it was me and this guy that said they wanted Meduguri. Those of you, you heard him tell, tell us those things. What am I going to say? So, if you are well-to-do, you don't have to make a name. You can just go and say, Pastor Dami, I heard you people are doing so and so and so. Good. Can you, can you allow me to join? He says, sir, how do you want to join? No, no, I don't preach. We are holding a conference. Please, if you don't mind, if it will please you, can I have the bill? You're not trying to make a name for yourself. You just delight the fact that what? The gospel is preached. Then you go somewhere else. Say, ah, you guys are doing this? Wow. Can I join? Says, what do you mean by joining? Well, I see you guys said you want to build a church that is... Why is it possible? 
let's just make these churches, you know, you, you know, you have a dream for four of them in these areas. I, I'm not trying to impose upon you, men of God. Well, we can make it eight. <laughs> and someone will say, eight. We wanted to do 12. We were hindered. What hinders thee? Brethren, the Lord has not yet sent the resources. He has. That's me. He sent me. So we can go up to 12. What's the estimate for 12? 120 million. I give you in four tranches. 40, 40, sorry, 30, 30, 30, 30. Here is the first 30. Do you get it? You're not trying to make a name for yourself. Please, how did I even get into that? What was I trying to say when I got into that? Okay, let me just go back to the last place I remember. Now, so, okay, now I was saying that money won't send us in an era. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Okay, yeah. So don't let money call you to ministry. So I've seen people that money calling to me and they're like, oh. please, I'm not saying a, a rich man can never be called. Did I say so? Uh, I'm just saying, be careful. Don't let money call you to ministry. If you have a passion for ministry, there are ways you can do it without starting church. You don't even have to start a charity organization. That's why I went because sometimes the next thing, like, let's do charity. You don't even have to. You can locate those who are already doing it. Like sometimes, you know, I say this a lot of times. I've seen ministries spend money in areas, geographical areas, they don't have the anointing for. You are a Lagos church, Abuja church, Enugu church, Portaco church. God is not angry. Do you get my point? No, you look like it. God is just saying, look, if you really love me, you go to rural area. Listen, go, look, you can't read your Bible. Paul did not even go to rural areas. You're not aware of that? Paul used to sit in cities. There's a missionary strategy to that. Okay? The rural area is supposed to be done by the locals. So Paul, if he travels, you come to Enugu, sit in Enugu and teach. If you're from Udi, you come to Enugu, hear him, go back to Udi. I'm going to relay what he taught you. So it was, it's more functional now. So I'm going to say something here. Please don't even think I'm saying that only people in rural areas are doing ministry or they are missionaries. No. I'm just saying that if, I mean, think about it now. You are a ministry where your pastors wear suits all the time. And they speak with um, fine English. As I was waking up this morning, the Lord began to speak to me. Why would you go and open a church? where there are only farmers who did not finish secondary school. You want to cause confusion? How about you see people trying to multiply branches, they begin to rural areas that the main man does not have the anointing for. What do you do if they, your heart, that's what I'm saying, you go there and peep. There are people that, you know, I, I'm, I'm Yoruba by... I'm a rightness and hate tightness. You understand? I understand the language. Do you know? I can hardly speak it these days. To hold a conversation in it for a long time is difficult for me. Yeah, it's not my fault. It's just the way I've lived. I mean, okay, most of my life now, I mean, I've been living in Enugu now for 22 years. Looking at all these Ogoifis every day. Is it not what I should be speaking by now? So it's not, don't blame me. So, but I do English. But then there are times I hear some people preach in Yoruba. Do you know, my skin will almost move. 
You know, I will know what they are saying, but I know there is no chance that I can't say it. They will preach non-stop for like 10, 30 minutes. They have not said a word by accident in English. They, they don't say pastor. They say, Everything they say is the proper Yoruba word. I'll be looking like, what? Does this language exist? There was in the Bible that I don't, I know this word in English. In fact, some of them I even know in Greek. I don't know it in Yoruba. <laughs> and you know, when I hear them speak, I say, my God. And there are those, because I speak Yoruba, I appreciate it, okay? There are people who preach in Igbo like that, you know that. Yes. There, are, there are people who preach in Hausa like that. They go, they, one whole hour they are preaching in Hausa, they have not given one word in English. Non stop. Brethren, stay your lane. What did I say? Stay your when you find such people, if your heart is mm, into such things, you want to, when you get there, say, ah, sir, this is your area. What do you need? You know, we city boys, we have money. What do you have here? What do you need here? The man will look. He said, I, was, I want to sow my Range Rover into your life. <laughs> the man will look at you. Are you all right? I should be driving Range Rover in this village. Of course, that's not what he needs. He don't go and say, oh, Lord, I want to give the God my best. I want to give God my best. So come and plant a Range Rover into a rural pastor's life. Why? You are a wicked soul. You know, you should know that what you are doing is evil. If you want to give it to the Lord, go and give it to a car dealer. Say, car dealer, give me money. Come there. Say, sir, what will you need? Say, we'll move into the interiors. Here are 10 bicycles. Eh, sorry, 10 motorcycles. Pastor, you, you can drive to move area. You get in one rugged, you know, as, you know those SUVs that the size are straight. The whole vehicle is small. You, you know them. Those ones that, look, when they jam rock, the rock will break. They, they are going where they are going. You buy one for himself, that take. And he must have open back so that if he's passing through the village and someone of his church members is carrying cassava on the head, he can say, Madam, enter, put the cassava in the back, and then we go. Give that one to him. Offer to pay him a salary. Say, sir, please, if you don't mind, we can send you this amount of money on a regular basis. For now, we can make a promise for two years. Is that okay with you? That's the kind of thing you can do. You can come there, help him erect a small house and make it comfortable so when a pastor comes home, he can sleep. Don't open a branch. You can't handle it. Why are you opening a branch? Some of these churches that time, they post pastor to the north. That guy resigns on the spot. Because he thinks you sent him to go and fight Boko Haram. <laughs> if I began to use to do wickedness, you will not do what I say. I'm sending you. You are going to Damaturu. That one looks like, okay, post me to Damaturu, not in spot. As you post on like that, he will, he will land there, resign, take the next flight out of town. Say, so what happened? The Lord called me. And the Lord actually called him. <laughs> the Lord has been calling him for a long time. He just like, wasn't hearing it. <laughs> do you get what I'm going to say here? So, please, you know, I want to do that and to say something that money shouldn't send you what? On an errand. Shouldn't call you to ministry. Make you do things you were not called to do. 
Some people do it because their money must make a name for them. That's why I want to do that. They don't know you can just give out money and let God be the one to reward you. You want ministry to bear your name. It's not necessary. Like I was sharing during the minister's meeting. Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, that bears his name, never belonged to him one day. People don't know that. His friends borrowed his name for a ministry all of them started. Four of them started the ministry. Each person had a role he was playing. But because Billy Graham was the main preacher, they said, let us use your name to name the ministry. Are you serious? Yes. He was on a salary. All his life. The ministry was paying him a salary. He worked for that ministry. It did not belong to him. People don't know that. So, listen. Please, back to what I'm going to say. So, we're talking about nurturing that spirit of Christ. We have to be aggressive in nurturing it. If he says, don't worry about tomorrow, you know what to do? You work hard with prayer and study. So what does it mean not to worry about tomorrow? Some people, you know, what we do sometimes to be able to obey God while obeying ourselves? Do you get what I said? We want, to, we want to seem to obey God, but we're actually obeying ourselves. Is we redefine what God is saying. So what God calls worry, we call it wise planning. Yeah. So you t- I've seen pastors come, to, oh, I don't know what they're pastors, but preachers or speakers come to church and talk about how to worry. How to take thought for the moral. But they don't say it like that. They come and say, the Lord gave me a word this morning and talked about effective planning for your tomorrow. See, it sounds very nice. Put aside 20% because you don't know what's going to happen in this world. Your grandchildren must have something from you. Your children must have investments that you lay down the earth for them. When you bless it, moth cannot destroy. Thieves cannot break in and steal. Because you will tight on it and give the first fruit and secure it by the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Lies every bit of the way. Lies told with fine tongue and redefined expressions. Say so if I invest money before, look, listen, I tell the Lord, 20% is yours. And God says, eh. That's why? You are the security guard. So I cut you 20. Is it too small? I can make it 25. Okay, Lord, let's do like the first fruit is yours. A tithe is yours. Then value added tithe is yours. What do you think about that? And God will say, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, I'm very hungry. In heaven now, there's a bit of famine. Ever since Satan took a third of the angels, I've been having problems cultivating our fields. Let these children of the earth give us some things. So what do you need me to do, sir? Say, God, you post guards around it. Let the devourer not come here. God say, thank you, thank you. Nonsense. Because you give him a court, he will disobey his word. He said on this earth, thieves break in and steal. Moth destroys. Once it is laid up on the earth, it makes no difference. Thieves will break in and steal. And moth will destroy. I don't care how you preach it. People come and preach worry. They call it wise planning. Listen, I can't guarantee my children anything. The, the one I'm supposed to do for them, I'm doing. I instruct them with the word every day. Teaching righteousness and justice. You are going to school? Take money. Fees, pay, eat, wear clothes. What will happen, to, will happen tomorrow? All the investments in Ukraine for children. What's happening to it right now? Vladimir Putin is blowing them to smithereens. Blowing them to pieces. And the way God did that war, I, I felt so bad. I said, God, what sin did they commit? Do you know they can't fight back? People don't realize that. 
Vladimir Putin has next to nothing to lose. He's raining bombs on them every day. They can't shoot one bomb into his territory. All they can do is defend themselves. That's all they can do. Which kind of war is that? No one to know what the kind of war it is. It's war of punishment. It's war of judgment. So, listen, I said, okay, you put all the investment down in Ukraine. That's why I went into that. And the investment is gone. What are you going to do? God said, don't worry. Don't pray about it. Moth destroys. Don't come and tell me that in my case, moth will not destroy. No. If it's laid up on the earth, thieves break in and steal. So, we are aggressive in creating a climate for the spirit of Christ, that new life we have to thrive. So, if he says, don't worry about tomorrow, he says, sufficient of the days evil thereof. So you say, Lord, what is the assignment for today? Pursue it. You know, two people may do the same things, but for different reasons. The reason why Christians invest is not the same reason unbelievers invest. We don't invest money to secure our future. We invest money because in that investment is a work for today. I don't know whether I get my point. So I don't care which stock is going through the roof. Is that going to make me employ those who God said I should employ? There are times you leave a comfortable job to come and supervise something that will produce, how do I say, the blessing of God in an environment. Do you know God can say, okay, they are paying you these millions every month, or this business you are doing, this is how much it brings, but where your gift really lies is in training and educating young boys, maybe boys alone. And it says there's a lot of you have to understand, God looks at treasure in the earth. You can say this whole local government, this, okay, this area I'm saying now, this local government that I just mentioned as an example now, he said, okay, there are a lot of boys that need their minds retrained. I have given you the grace to do that. So whatever you have to do, you have to relocate to that area and start businesses. And you know it's very difficult to stay somewhere far and send money to people to start business for you. I, I hope some of you know. That is how to throw away your money. Says, Please, stop sending money to the village for them to invest in business for you. Give them to eat. So sometimes to do something, you have to physically relocate. Sometimes God will say, yeah, you have amassed enough money for that project. Now come, resign from where you are. Come and build these factories and be the CEO. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. You'll be fine. But you will not be rich like before. People think that God always promotes people by money. That is, okay, you have 10 million before you now have 50 million. Sometimes you have 10 million coming regularly, now it will be 1 million. However, if you look at it well, you are now paying that 10 million. The boys are 150. They come to work. The part of the, the thing is school. You must learn. You must come to fellowship. Whether you believe in this, your problem, you must come. As long as you are working for me, you must hear the word of God. If you like, be sleeping halfway through, I don't care. But you must hear it. Because out of that 150, 10 will respond, will respond well to the gospel. The others at least will respond well to life. Then when I'm done with 150, God will increase us with 300. But I'm there. I used to drive around feeling very cool in Abuja or abroad. But now I can't. I have to stay in that locality. Drive a small, medium vehicle. But I'm walking. It's not only church. You know, I deliberately didn't talk about church. There are other things. I'm building factories there. I have farms. People are working. I have poultry here and the fish ponds, pigries, stuff like that. People are working. But I'm making sure they go to school. 
I am making sure that they learn righteousness. I'm making sure. But I have to be there physically and build the thing up. Maybe one day I can leave. Maybe one of them will have become big enough to replace me in that place. And God says, another job for you somewhere else. I hope you're getting my point. See, for us believers, that's an investment. For the world, investment is how much money is coming back to me. I heard one man say, one of the founders of Flutterwave, those of you who know things like that, Flutterwave, he said something. He said, there are different levels of business. I never heard that other, the, the third level he introduced that day. He said, one, you can do business. How do you say it again? Do you remember? One, number one is business will make money. Okay, so, okay, he said, yeah, that's it. Worldly level of doing business, I gain, you lose. The second level, which is better, is I gain, you gain. All of us gain. He said, but the kingdom business is redemptive. I sacrifice, you gain. I never heard that before. The moment he said it, I said, Jesus, this is true. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. He said, I sacrifice, you gain. And he talked about how they developed some companies in Nigeria. He said, how do we help young people? They employed them for the sole purpose of training them. I don't know what I get about my point. That, okay, they just advertise. We want software developers training. If you, just, you don't have to know it. Just come. We'll train you. And this is what we pay. Ah. So you know what happened? Young boys queued up there. That this is a job. But what they did not know is that the people who started the business, they were not trying to give out jobs. They said, we will train young people that want to create an atmosphere. Listen to this. Want to create an atmosphere where Google will come to Nigeria to look for software programmers. Want to create an atmosphere where Facebook will come to Nigeria. You remember the time Marcus Gabbard came and was jogging all over Victoria Island? Yes. That's the kind of thoughts they had. They said, want a situation in which Twitter will come, open an office in Abuja, open an office in Lagos. How can we do that? We have to create manpower. Do you know, I was watching a Chinese, uh, somebody analyzed why Americans manufacture in China. Why, why do you think they manufacture in China? Who can tell me why? Eh? Cost of labor. Say what you said. Thank you. It's not because of cost of labor. They said, where can you get 10,000 engineers at a go? China. That is, if you go to China and say, I need 10,000 engineers, you will get. America can give it to you. Now, people go to China not because of product, not because of um, low cost of labor. No. It is that if I need 50,000 people who can make clothes, China will give them to me overnight. If I say it's tailors, I want people who can stitch in a line and not bend. China will just come and say, okay, uh, this one, this district. You go there, they roll out the advert, you will see 50,000 employed within a month. America said, they, they said, bring back manufacturing to America. He said, it's not about cost of labor. The people are not there. See, let me just tell you, we're talking about Nigeria. You think it's this Yahoo, Yahoo people will come and invest in your country when your boys are there, sagging trousers and driving tinted cars that they stole. Nobody will come. Where will you find that China produces engineers in tens of thousands every year? Chinese universities, are, look, all of our children are cheating to go to school. We are, we are killing ourselves. You have a degree in computer science, you cannot code. You can't write anything. You don't know anything. Why? Why? You cheated. Jam. Before they started doing jam this way, you cheated. 
you paid your way through. Your lecturer is a fool. He was taking bribes. May God punish him. He was just taking. No, I'm telling you, God has to. God has to end people like that. Certain degrees. At the end of the day, you give a compass to an engineer, draw a circle, 360 degrees. He doesn't even know what you're talking about. And that's a BS in engineering. Why do you think China became a leader in 5G technology? <laughs> See, this guy said business is redemptive. That's kingdom business is redemptive. I sacrifice, you win, you gain. So they decide that that's what they are going to do. That let them train young people. How can we get them to come for training? We pay them a salary. So people that knew nothing about coding and all of that, they employed them and paid them. They started teaching them how to code. Started teaching them how to code. Started a company teaching them how to code. Those who don't know say, ah, hey, they are making money. No. They were investing their money. They were investing their money. But the truth, eventually, God blessed them. But when I, I know some of the stories, when you see boys who left them, some people work for them for some years, then resign, start their own company. They'll collect job from a bank, 100 millionaire. Collect job from one company, 50 millionaire. You see young, young boys, they have their own company, 10 people working for them. And that's it, they are, do, they are doing high level software business, taking jobs internationally. Where did they get it from? They were trained by those people. They said that for them, that is the joy. So that's kingdom business. I sacrifice. You gain. Listen, let me say something to you believers. Eh? I told you we have to nurture the spirit of Christ. Stop pursuing gain. There's a scripture I want to quickly, I want to read. It's from Psalms. David said, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to gain. Now, if you read some Bible, they put the word dishonest. No, David did not say dishonest, even though it could have been implied. But what he said is this. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to gain. The word dishonest is inserted there just to explain it. But after studying my scripture, I found out that, no, David did not mean dishonest. New Living Translation says, let me just see what it says. It's a love of money. That's how Living Translation says it. Let me just open it here. Verse 36. He said, give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. That's what David said. Forget the word dishonest. David didn't use the word dishonest. He said, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to gain. That is, what should I be, what should I be pursuing? Fulfilling your testimonies. What should I be pursuing? Fulfilling your will for my life, not gain. The, business, the world tries to Teach us that gain is the aim of everything. Say, so incline my heart to your testimonies and not to gain. Once I was giving a lecture to students, at least more than most people there, eh? not everybody, but most people. I know immunology quite well, all right? If I want to, we went for a part one postgraduate exam those days. So they asked a question on immunology. Was not expected. But he asked it. So we had to write an essay. So when we came out, one of my colleagues, she's a professor in, in, in Unilag now. He said, hmm, thank you. Now, wow. I said, wait a minute. He said, I, I know your script will be our marking scheme. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said to me that day. He said, this is your script. will be our marking scheme. 
Because you know how much I knew about that subject. And this is where I'm going. So till now, I've, I enjoyed the discussion. That's why this is our brother that came from, um, is it Johns Hopkins? Yeah, Mayo Clinic. Yeah, Mayo, yes. All right. So when he was discussing his research with me, the chimerism and stuff they were doing, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the discussion. You know, you know, he's doing advanced my, my microbiology, so he's doing immunology. So I enjoyed that this discussion. Now this is where I'm going. So when I was giving a lecture to students, so I, just like I, you know, see, I, I tickled your interest a bit now. So I did. I explained to them that man, look, forget everybody's trying to buy a syringe and needle and stethoscope and knife. I said, when you graduate from school. This is an area you can go and research. And you'll be amazed at the kind of discoveries you can make. We just talk, talk about that in details. And my class captain put up her hand. I said, what? He said, how much money is in, is in it, sir? My heart broke. I said, after everything I've told you, how you can change the world? I'm like, what? So after everything I've said, all you have to ask me is, how much is in it, sir? You know, my heart broke. I felt bad. I don't know what I get my point. I felt heartbroken. I said, my wife just left me. <laughs> I told her, I'm disappointed. I told her straight. I said, after everything I said. I said, you can't live life like this. That's what David was saying. I can't make decisions because of gain. I can't. You see, the truth is that, see, if you make decisions because of gain, you will never have great gain, even materially. Let me give you an example. If you had asked Bill Gates, how much money is there to make in software programming those days? He would never have gone there. Because that field hardly existed. The field, you know, it's just very rudimentary. Computer science, who knew about much punch cards? Let me tell you, Bill Gates said, the amount of memory an adult needs I think we'll say about 32 megabytes. That if you have that, all your needs are met. Young people are wondering what, what is called 32 megabytes. Because one video that they watch is 3.5 gig. The days of Bill Gates, the gig did not exist. No, 64, yes, and I remember. It was 64. We said if you have 64 megabytes, all your storage needs to be met. Now, one was that video. You know now. Now, that's how rudimentary this thing was when people like Bill Gates began. And he was saying this after I'd become a rich man. So imagine when they began. There was nothing in it but interest. But along the line, they got some things done. Business heads came into it. Down the line, was richest man for decades. His group, many of them became so rich. People like Larry Ellison. Those guys, just they just amassed. That is... But when they began, there was nothing in it. So if it's money you are pursuing. Linda Ikeji said something then. She didn't know people could make money from blogging. Now, not like I like her. I think the girl has a, spiritually speaking, I mean, uh, all right? Sorry, oh, no, you're a public figure. We can yap you. But Linda said something once. Why is I was angry with her? Is that you know, when you're a prominent person, don't teach young girls bad things. You can't just go and get pregnant or wedlock and make it look to us as if it's normal. Is she not the one? She's the one. No, they want to celebrate baby mamahood. All of you, they crease for head. I mean, the Lord straighten your head in a harsh way. Okay, he can do it in gentle if he wants, but please stop this nonsense. I don't like when people try to make, and that, that, that frozen daddy was not trying to justify it. Nonsense. You see, I'm always angry when you are prominent. 
I start setting bad examples. It's very bad. There are things I, 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 I discovered my wife. There are things I can do. I will not even do because of Kingdom World Ministries. Yeah, it's not bad. Though. Let me give you an example. When I began to teach you what I love, that if my wife was pregnant and I had the money, I said, I want to take a trip when she's about to deliver. She will mistakenly born abroad. I don't go agree. Come and born in Enugu. Born for Bini. Nothing wrong with born in abroad. Though. But if you born abroad now, came to his wife will not let him sleep again. One day she just grabbed me, just said, she started vomiting, vomiting, vomiting. There's no vomit. He said, this vomiting, they said, California air will cool it down. <laughs> and you won't know it's because of Pastor Banky's wife. No, that's, sometimes, sometimes we make decisions. We say, no, no, sir. I'm telling you. The ideas I just brushed off my head. I said, let me not set bad examples for people. One day somebody saw my children on the road. So he saw me later. He said, Banky, I saw two. So when there's saw one young girl and one young boy crossing the road, say, I look, I said, I've seen them somewhere before. Say, I look, I said, oh, they're your children. Where were they going? I said, they're coming from school. By public transport. That's how I went to school. What's the problem with that? Do you know he was so impressed? Ah. No, because jump bus. They, they took one bus from here, stopped here, crossed the road, checked the traffic light, jump, enter the order, enter the last batch, okay, to come home. Dude, the guy was impressed. He told my children, you go drive them to school. Enter, enter. All right, can't close it. Eh? I said, hey, 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 hey. excuse me. <laughs> if your mother, at this age, you can't jump from one bus to the other. What will I be doing now? I said, no, enter bus. Enter bus. You know? I mean, when Akino was still in spring of life that time, good looking, no office was nearby. I just begged Felix. I beg, help me teach this boy how to enter bus. As you big like this. And that, we used to trek, to go, to go and pluck mango. You know the distance we walked. <laughs> no, so sometimes you do some things just to set good examples, you know, for people. The Lord is good. So I just look back to what I was trying to say. You know, like listen and call Bill Gates, they didn't know there was going to be money there, but they had a passion for what they were doing. No, now I went to Belinda Ikeji, and I said, okay, that's why I went to that story. So let's talk about her. She said she did not know there was money to be made in blogging. She just enjoyed blogging, just regular blog. Site open to everybody, blogspot does this. What's all she was using? Every day she just wrote a story. Every day she said, Sometimes she finished work, she's tired. She'll go to a cyber cafe and go and write another story. Go and write another story. Before she knows what was happening, people were just enjoying her story. Enjoying her story. So writing a story now became, you know, a normal thing for her. She now was under pressure to keep on writing. Then after a while, they told her, ah, adverts, so you put adverts there. People, ah, she got paid for adverts. Then one time, politics set in. Alanka, can you remind me of the, the amount of money they were paying for one banner on her site for a month? I think it was like 300,000 naira. 350,000. So the first time they offered to pay, she was like, what? The point is that she made so much money, she didn't know what to do with money. She bought a house for 500 million naira in Banana Island. Then every young girl wanted to blog. All of them, we don't want to read. Leave it. We don't want to read. It's too late. The door don't close. The wise ones have entered. The bridegroom has come. They've locked the door. That's why David said, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to gain. That's what he meant. Let me not do what I'm doing because of what I will get from it. Give me another reason to do it. Once I was writing, I was proofreading some books about to print. One man said, hey, chief. 
That's what they will call seniors in the medical field. He said, Chief, now I see where your money is coming from. I looked at him. I didn't know where the discussion should even start. I didn't know where the discussion should start from. This is where my money is coming from. I think you don't know the price of books. No, you don't know the price of books. And he was talking about those tiny, tiny pamphlets that time. That was the same, like 50, 59. I looked at the guy and said, how many of these will I sell before I buy a computer that I used to type it? How many of these will I sell before I buy a car? How many of these will I sell before I pay children's school fees? If it's money we are looking for, trust me, in this our country, book is not what I'll be writing. It's not what I'll be writing. You know why I write books? Because when I'm writing, my thoughts are not disordered like this one now. You know, here I'll just be talking up and down. When I'm writing, there's focus. It goes straight to the point. If I'm talking about how to be led by the Spirit, chapter one is how, chapter two is to, chapter three is led, chapter four is by, chapter five is the, chapter six is Spirit. Very orderly. And I have grace for it. Once I start cranking out this thing, eh, it flows. And once we are ready, we paste it so that the people may know the truth of God. That's the church. Last book we released, one brother said, please, can I support this with 100,000 there? That book was the 20-something. That's the first time that's happening. So some people hear that one and say, are you serious? Okay, let me go and write. Somebody was like, I, I don't launch books. But that was the first time somebody said, for this book you have written, okay, let me bring a 100K. No, see, I'm not saying he has never given us money for any of the, the brother who did that, okay? But tiny to book. No one day the brother finished listening. He said, he called my wife said, ah, the pastor has blessed us this year. Madam, I need you to cook soup. I'm serious. I won't tell you how much money he sent to her. Okay, I'll tell you. 500K to cook soup. <laughs> I can't soup you go chop, eh? <laughs> I meant definitely you could make yourself soup. <laughs> the Lord is good. No one says that too. I'm not writing book because of this thing. But I will keep writing. I have the, you know the number of books I have, like I told you, the one is about to finish now. All right? Please get ready. Early next year, you are going to read that. But I wanted to read it. Especially for this minister's meeting. When Moya was ministering that night, many of things she was saying, I said, ah, it's as if she and I discussed. Of course, we've known each other for over 30 years, so we have discussed, all right? I mean, we learned from the same places. We have exchanged ideas. The Holy Spirit has spoken to us individually. We have exchanged things. Many of things she was saying, God help me to put them down. This is why I'm trying to make a lot of these things. We need to pursue the development of that seed of God in us and create the atmosphere by which it can manifest. I hope you're getting my point. Life for us believers is not average. The problem we have had is that we have not paid attention to our own methods. Creating the ambience, the climate. The world stylishly pulls us in the wrong direction all the time. And we should not let that happen. Praise the Lord. And that's reviewing the things we said before. Let me quickly say something about the message for today. Matthew chapter 5. Let's just read this. To save time, we'll just read a few verses from verse 13. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it become salty again? 
It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in, in the house. Say, so let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I want to stop reading there. Now, why did I read this? Remember, our topic was a new man and what? A new world. That when God wants to change things, he changes people. Now, what I had hoped to develop today, um, the Lord ruled otherwise. And if God helps us, we may be able to do that next time. And if not, we'll continue it next year. Is to bring out the fact that redemption change comes in three levels. And they are progressive. The, le- the first level is that spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Like he said. He came to them and breathed upon them and said, Receive holy breath. Like Adam received that breath in the beginning and became homo sapiens, Adamus, like we said. In the same manner, he breathed upon them. Receive a new life. Receive a new spirit. A new creation is now in you. You must understand that Adam did not become alive because of the breath. Necessarily. You see, the reason that the goat was alive, was he breathed upon? So Adam too could have lived without that breath. But with that breath that was breathed into him conferred that uniqueness upon him. The, 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 the trait of God that entered into him that day. He could now become a living, aware, self-conscious, you know, able to decide being. All right? Now, when Jesus came, of course, sin came in and corrupted the whole thing. Jesus came and did that thing again. This time with the power of a new life. <sighs> breathed into them one by one. And anyone who believes is breathing into them also. And it now says, if anyone is thirst in Christ, is what? A new creation. All right, thank you. So, that's the first level. That spirit, we said, is we've been talking about, we have to develop it, okay? That's the first level of change. The next level is the level of the soul. And in that, the way we reason, now please, this is very important. The way we reason, the way we understand things, our emotions, the way we react to things, what we value, just our thought process now has to change. Now, because we have used the same mind for Homo sapiens Adamus, which has been you know, taking um, instructions from this natural nature and the culture around, we now have to reprogram the mind. That's why he says, be transformed this time around by what? The renewing of your mind. Let me just say this. Don't assume that everybody can do it. The reason why you can do it is because you have that spirit. The reason why you can renew your mind is because you have the new life of God in you. It's because you are born again. Without that thing, you, without that spirit inside you, don't assume that anybody can do it. If God doesn't give that new life, try as hard as you might. You can never be conformed to that image. You can never be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewal of your mind, that ability to be transformed by it is because the seed of God already dwells in you. And that's what I've been talking about. So that renewal process is how you allow that seed to thrive. Bear that in mind. Now, 
the third level now, you know, they said three levels. First, that spirit, then that soul. Then the third level is those actions that now come out as a result of your renewed mind. The things that you do outwardly, how you wake up, how you sleep, how you relate with people physically, you understand, how you do your business. So those, that's now the third level of transformation. Now, those two levels, okay, that's the two lower levels now, that's the second and the third level, they are very crucial in your outward manifestation. Now, the inner one, the spirit one, cannot be seen by people. Do you get my point? It can't be. It's how you think, how you now manifest in how you behave that people will see. And Jesus said, let your light so shine that men may do what? See your good works. Now, what does it mean to be salt? Let me quickly remind us of that again. We'll develop it again next time. To be salt means that you are the reason God is having mercy on the earth. You are the reason why the earth will be preserved from judgment. That's the meaning of being salt. You are the salt of the earth. And the way I like to explain it is using Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, if I find ten righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I will spare the land from destruction. Now, he didn't find, so he destroyed. But let us assume, let us think of that scenario in which he may have found. So if he found ten, even though there were four cities there or four towns, and all of them were destroyed, of course, two, the two bigger ones were Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, the people, there were definitely multitudes of people. Now, ten people preserving that land from destruction, they would have been called the salt of the place. Do you get my point? Now, that's it. So, salt does many things. Number one, prevents the land from being destroyed. Number two, it prevents decay from spreading in the land. If you have enough salt, the LGBT agenda will not prosper. Do you get what I'm saying? That's how it is. If you have enough quantity of salt in the land, corruption will not prosper. They want to spread it. It will not be able to go, move for far. That's what salt does. Now, when it says you are the light, there's a different thing there. Light is the way by which people get direction. Light is what illuminates. That it shows you what is right to do and what you are supposed not that what you are not allowed to do. That is what is called being the light of the world. You will teach people how to run their businesses. You will teach people how to relate in their homes. People will look at you. They may not be born again. But they say, the way this our neighbor treats his wife, the way this our neighbor relates with her husband, is the way it should be. So they start copying you, not even knowing why you are doing stuff. That's why I said in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be exalted above all the other hills, and everybody will flow to it. They will come. Let us. They will come to the you know, the child of God now. Let us follow you to the house of your God. Why? We want to learn His ways. He will teach us his, you know, his parts in life. We want to know how he does things. That's what it means to shine as light. Men will see your good works. It's not show off. It's not show off. You're just there in the neighborhood relating with your wife normally. And somebody will say, somebody's wife will say, my husband, can't you see how that man treats his wife? They try to treat me like that small now. And the woman will say, the man will say, you say, see how the woman <laughs> So, me to the husband, you say, try it. Before I talk once, you don't talk ten. Have you ever heard her voice? It's okay. They may not be born again, but they are trying. Do you get my point? After, after they don't try, they don't frustrate. They now come and visit you. Say, oh boy, just tell us, what are you, how are you managing? Say, it's the seed of God that is in us. So, how can we get that seed on your knees here? Give your life to Christ. I hope you're getting my point. That's what it means to be a witness. 
I hope you're getting me. Let me end it today by saying this. That is the only hope this nation has. If Christians don't arise and be believers in this, just write off the country. Oh, let's give the Lord thanks. Let's give him thanks. Let's give him thanks. Say, Lord, thank you again this morning. Say, Lord, thank you this morning.